You're listening to the Driven by Design podcast. I'm Mark Burden, founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Mayor Fisi from uh, Siren. Hey, Mayor. Good day. How are you? Not bad. I'm Good. so glad that we're talking. Good, me too. So, listeners, we're going to actually we're going to do something which isn't a studio profile as much as Mayor has this astounding story which talks about it. By the time we get to the end, we're going to be talking about three important things. How do you be an entrepreneur? How do you be a mother? And how do you be a wife? And successful at all of those. And to get there, though, we're going to actually roll back a while. Me, being a lady, I won't say how many years. We're going to roll back a while. You can always put the dates in. But we're going to roll back to uh, Gaia, which was really where you got your first chance of, at uh, stepping up to being an interior designer. Yes, it was my foot in the door. Um, I managed to get a job a couple of days a week in the resource library, which a lot of people still laugh at me about um, the fact that I started in the library, the librarian. Um, so I, I pretty much got in there, pulled the whole resource centre apart, got to know every single supplier, and I think I catalogued every, every supplier into an Excel spreadsheet. Um, I think about, I mean, six months into that, I managed to get myself a full-time job, so I had to asked the boss if he'd take me on full-time and let me be a junior designer. And it was um, a great guy called Peter McCamley, who was the practice director at that time, and he said yes. So I moved into a full-time role where I was able to be a junior designer, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Did that, I think, for a couple of years. I worked for a great girl, Lisa Brazier, who was part-time mum. So she'd pretty much go to all the meetings and then run back, fill me in, and I'd have to do the work. And then she'd obviously have to go home and see the children. So it was a really good learning curve. So, so that would have given you, as, as a little baby designer, yes. you would have actually got these elevated insights because you were job sharing with somebody who was a more senior designer. Yes. That, that must have given you some insights oh, and yeah. elevation that you probably shouldn't have had if there was ever a classic way of yes. doing it. But, yes. uh, but you got that advantage there. Yeah, it was perfect for me because it was responsibility. And I think with responsibility comes learning, you know, sink or swim. So you're, so you're in the role here and you're beginning to see how the serious part of the, of, of the game is working. Correct. Was that enough for you? No. It wasn't enough. I wanted more. <laughs> Always want more. So. I, I, I think we might share that. You know? <laughs> so you wanted more. Wanted so then more. What, what did a, you do? I wanted a space plan. I wanted to really do more. So I, um, I managed to get a job over the road in an architectural firm where I was the only interior designer. So I had to really do, I get the opportunity to work on a job from the beginning to the end. And I was, you know, I was pretty young. I think by then I was 23 um, and, and 23, 24. Um, as the only interior designer, though, it got a bit lonely, I think, and I'm, I started doing private work with a builder and ended up um, leaving that job after about maybe nine months or a year and um, started my f- first practice at the ripe old age of 24 with at, a builder. So, at 24, so yeah. here you are at 24 and you're saying, I'm going to crack a practice of my own and try to go do this? <laughs> well, no, not really. It was more, it was... He promised a car and I think 60 grand salary and I thought it was, a, it was a lot of money, still is, but it was a lot of money at the time for me. And he said, did you want to be a director? And we'll go 50%. So I had to call my dad and say, Daddy, what does a director mean? And um, I just did it, feet first, head first. And we started doing offices attached to warehouses. He was a, a brilliant estimator, so I would go along 
um, help win the work, obviously do the design and then they'd get the build. So it was a design and construct model. Um, we eventually moved into Jones Bay Wharf just as it was being redeveloped by PTW and um, we were sharing an office. I rented a desk with the sales office and every time a potential new um, buyer would come in to buy a suite at Jones Bay Wharf, there I was, the interior designer. You had prime position. Yeah, and so we built the, I built the portfolio up to you know, a number of really um, distinguished brands in Jones Bay Wharf. All tricky though, like all heritage, all very bespoke. And built the team up to about four or five staff um, until I got my first really, really big break out of warehouses is attached to offices attached to warehouses and got um, a five floor, it's 5,000 square meter project for a law firm that's not around anymore, but it's called Abbott Tout. And um, managed to deliver that successfully with a different builder, not the one I was in partnership with. And I thought, right, it's time to do a consultancy model. I, the DNC model was a great thing to cut my teeth on and learn about budgets and understand about how things can go wrong or be built. Um, and so I took the four or five staff with me and at least took all the money that I'd earned over the last, I think, three years or two years with that partner and um, set up Siren Design. Cool. So, so I want to take a little pause here because I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of, uh, of female designers out there who are taking some inspiration from this. So I want to see if we can unpack some of what, what happened in, in that period, because I think that's really important for them, because we know most people when they come out of formal design training that they're really good at using some design software and they're really good at choosing materials. but they couldn't actually do the business part to save themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so then that, that's an area that we know in the formal design training is wanting everywhere. Yes. And what impresses me about you is that you somehow, you understand some of those angles from business, yeah. which didn't come through formal education. No. You've just had some life learning yeah. that's helped you go do that. And and so let's, let's see if we can unpack. So you get, you, you're at Gaia. Yep. And you decide that there's more. There's more that could be done in the library, and I'm going to show you that there could be more. Yeah. Then you get involved with a split role. Yep. And you're obviously showing people that there's more that you could be doing. Yes, I just wanted to do more. <laughs> and then you've decided that you want to do more yourself, and you wind up in a as a director of an organisation which you really don't understand, but you jump both feet forward, is the idea of actually, have you got permission to this? Isn't holding you back? Mm. And you actually, I'm gonna go for this and I'm gonna see what I can make of it. Yes. And then you say, well, I even want more. <laughs> Jones goes and, and listeners, this is, it's a purposeful reason why I keep going to this hunger of, I want more, I want more. Yeah. Because so often that's something that we're told that isn't appropriate that you're meant to wait your turn or it's actually wait till you've got some recognition that happens. Me is the example of if you're courageous and you just keep saying, I want more, that it's it's not a walk in the park. You know, she's sitting across the table from me and she's actually smiling. <laughs> but I know what, I know there's been a lot of stumbling and a, and a lot of trials that have happened, uh, you know, on the journey. Yeah. But the important thing is that courage that's actually saying, I want more. Yeah. 
And that's helped her go get to the point where she's now fitted out the five floors of the, uh, the, uh, law, of the, firm. the law firm. That law firm actually didn't last as long as she did, which is a good thing for you, not so good for them by the sounds of it. But, um, but we're then going to pick up because Siren Design's now starting. Yes. And so Siren's beginning, and how did you go? Because I think you had a little bit of a, somebody gave you some good advice about what to do when you were starting Siren Design. Yes. And what was that? It was, uh, somebody said to me, a mentor said, you know, do you want to be a designer or do you want to be a business development person? And that was actually before Siren. That was when I had the other business. So for a couple of years there, I didn't pay myself. And I just had a person, um, a girl called Rachel, who literally it was her eye on the white pages. And we cold called um, everyone and anything. I mean, not having grown up in Sydney as well, I mean, I didn't have a network here. I did actually forget to tell you actually that I am, um, when I was, I did go to university to do an art design um, foundation course in Bristol. And when I was there, I actually supported myself by selling black bin liners over the phone to warehouse, to warehousemen. So I did have some training in so tele in telesales. Okay. Like I was very confident to pick up the phone and to speak to anyone. Okay. So, yeah. so you, you were, um, You'd had a fair amount of rejection from people who were saying, I don't want. Yep. You'd had to work out yep. how to get rejection into acceptance. Yeah. And that it wasn't about you. No. It was it, black bin liners. There's no emotional detachment. No. <laughs> of, These black bin liners don't represent yep. me. And so, so that's a really good training ground. Yeah, really on, good. And I think for a lot of designers, the problem is that when they start to sell, it's actually a personal it's reje Rejection, yeah. Reject and and yeah. so... So there's, there's a, a, a trap that we get involved in, which is when you're invested in something and you go to sell it, you'll normally under leverage it. Correct. If you've got somebody else who's selling the brilliant work that you're doing, you're probably going to get the right leverage out of it. Yes. So, so you've taken on a salesperson. I, I do want to ask, in the period that you, you say you weren't paying yourself, how were you able to feed yourself and how's yourself if you weren't paying yourself? Well, I literally just lived off the business as in I didn't okay. pay myself a salary but you know I'd be able to pay my rent and eat but there was no okay so you would money. you there was enough there to so eat. it's not that there was no drawings but there were enough drawings yes. in there yes. to make sure that you you had food yep. you had clothes yep. and that you actually had somewhere to sleep yes okay. correct so we've got right. that so so that's important because when people who aren't natural entrepreneurs hear that, <laughs> they turn around and say, what, no money? How will I actually feed oh, myself? Right, okay, yeah, so yeah. I'm just going so through. I, yeah, so I didn't necessarily draw a salary, but I would just, you know, if okay. I had to pay my rent that week, I'd have to take it as, okay. yeah. So then we, we've turned around, we've got the salesperson on board. They're combing the yellow pages, an old-fashioned book, I'd imagine, <laughs> where they're working out where the leads are coming from. And, and you're beginning to win some business. Yes. Now, did you get the chance where you hooked a major account of reputation to start off with or did you go through We're the long really lucky. small things? We're really lucky. So, ended up um, winning Yahoo 7 as our first ever job as Siren. So, that was, that was remarkable. Um, and I think all the four years I'd done before in the other business sort of led me to that moment. And I had, a, I suppose, a fresh approach and I managed to get in front of the right person at the right time. And, it was back when you had a portfolio with photos in, you know, yeah, literally. I had a book, <laughs> had a book and it said, you know, it, had, it used to say Ibis Design on it because that was the name of the company before. So I got a little brass plaque made 
called Siren Design and I stuck it on top of the Ibis Design one because it was a leather portfolio with my photos in. So, um, and, and that client I still see now, he works in Singapore and I'll, I'll still go see him and he's got a big job in TPG. So I just, yeah, we were very fortunate. And then obviously for the first year, we did everything and anything. We did toilets, we did, um, we did quite well. And then um, the GFC hit um, and it was hard but it was a really good training ground for, for me as a business person because we had to be absolutely accurate and frugal and we did and because the size of the business was small we were actually quite useful to a lot of businesses that were having problems financially yeah. and, and and that's a natural thing where um, they might have had aspirations to be with you know one of the the yeah. top reputation yeah. firms yeah. and then what they're looking for it's is how do I go get the work quality that comes from them? Yeah. So the fact that in your portfolio you would have had somewhere that mentioned that you're ex-Gaia yeah. would have been fantastic. The fact that in your portfolio you've got all these Jones Bay Wharf yes. properties yeah, would, have, would have helped. And so that you're able to carry through the momentum from those other projects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how many people were, were in Siren when you hit the GFC? How many? I did... think we probably had about six or eight, okay. maybe eight by then. So, then. so that boldness that you had to start Siren mm. with really a salesperson and yourself, yeah. taking the minimum drawings out of the business, which, yeah. is a, which is a very courageous entrepreneur thing. And then you, in the process there, you've now started to go build up where you need some people to follow behind you. And so there's an equal role for the entrepreneur here as there is for those people who want to actually follow behind the entrepreneur mm -hmm. and, and support the entrepreneur and be on that journey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the part of my luck, I don't know if you call it luck, but the first project that we lost as Siren was a law firm, a bit another law firm, a different one, a big law firm, and the managing partner pulled me in and gave me feedback around, do you want feedback? And I was nodding my head no, but saying yes. And he said, look, I think you're incredible. Um, I think you're gonna get there, but I think I can help you. So he was a mentor for me for the first four or five business, four or five business years at Siren. And the first piece of advice that he gave me is still the most relevant. And that is, he said to me, do you want to have children one day? And I said, well, I think so. Yes, maybe, I think so. I wasn't even married. I didn't, you know, I just started dating my now husband. He said, well, if you do, you need to start thinking about it now. And I was like, what do you mean? I need to start thinking about it now. I just started this business. Are you crazy? I, you know? I, I, haven't, I haven't got a partner. We're not married. <laughs> no, no, I did have a yeah, no, yeah, 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 no, partner. But he, this is what he says to me. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to believe you. So what it did for me was make me open the doors of my business with a succession plan in mind already. Beautiful. So my number, my second in charge, Penny, who's now a partner in Singapore and is incredible and running that whole business and that business will potentially get be bigger than the Sydney business, you know, she's amazing. She was the first person I ever hired in my first business as work experience and she became my second in charge. And so I always sort of had it in my mind, well, I'm gonna get, share as much knowledge as I can with her so that when I do, if I do ever have a baby, there's somebody else who knows what I know. And that's just become a siren thing now. We're very open and transparent and it works. So it's amazing that I had that one sentence from one person 
back then. And that is why my business has grown. We're nearly 80 staff now. And I think it's only because I had some dude say, if you want, maybe you want kids one day, you've got to start thinking about it at a ridiculous age, really. And, and that's just, I think, what, a, what, what women a, need to hear. What a brilliant piece of advice yeah. that he gave you. Yeah, he which... did. He did that. And then the other thing was workshops. He, we had a workshop with the staff before we even opened the doors. So that, that was quite incredible that we um, were able to... I'll just give you some water. Um, we were able... Oh, I didn't understand that these staff were coming on a, a leap of faith with me. Mm. Moving from the last company to this company, and in my naivety at 26, 27, I was like, well, of course. Well, and, that's you know, a, and that's a hard contextual thing to have, which is you've got the courage to go do this, but there's actually a, a bunch of people that need to follow yeah, behind. I, no, I wasn't a leader. I was yeah. an interior designer. I didn't know all of this stuff. So well, he was amazing. Okay, so we're, we're building up the practice. But there was a, a really interesting thing that we, I, I think we skipped over when we, when we started Siren. Yes. And I want to go back to that. Okay. Which is that you said to me in the discussion we had before, and listeners, you are hearing some, some clinking of glasses and that because <laughs> we're being very informal. And what I'm enjoying about this is we've actually got two peers having a conversation. It's not <laughs> like we're in the studio. The room's a bit live. But um, it would... I actually think this is the exact format that we should be recording mm. it now. So we'll go back. And where you looked at the model because you've been in design and construct. Yes, that's right. And then I just, with Siren, yeah. you wanted to be more of the person people go to rather than the person who's just responding to tenders. Yes, or the person constantly changing. I, I, I think I mentioned the earlier that my mother always said, darling, if... If you have to work for the rest of your life, you might as well do it doing something you love. And I just, I wanted to build a business that I really did love and that would love us back. So in terms of, I didn't have to constantly chase work. I mean, I, to be honest, I think I did chase work and I still am a bit, but now the phone rings and now work will come to us. And I think that's just the consultancy model. If you look after your clients, if you look after your, your staff, good things will follow. And I'm a big believer in that. And, and the other thing that, that happens when you start to get into that consultancy phase, you can start to actually begin to understand and do user-centered design yes. rather than just doing design at a client. Correct. On your best guess, because we you know uh, there's yeah. billable hours, there's only yeah. so much time. You don't get that investment to understand what makes them tick. And I, and I know as we've seen, you know, close to two dozen projects of, of yours in the awards over the years going back to 2011. So mm. we, we've seen a, quite a bit of siren over, over that period. And there's just some crazy stuff that you've done in projects, but it works. <laughs> yes. And yes. then, and then listeners, I've, I've met many of the clients at the awards presentations yeah. and we've had uh, conversations and they yeah. all say that you've nailed it. But I think it's because you've had that consultancy basis yes. that you've understood their needs and you've understood their, how to set their expectations and then you've taken them on a journey to somewhere they probably wouldn't have taken themselves. Yes, and yes. so there's a really good human-centered design model there. Oh, yeah, and I love it. I mean, we had an interview yesterday with one of the universities and the associate director, he said, you're at the table because I want to know that you're going to challenge me. And it's so great to have a client up front say, I want you to challenge me. Because in the beginning, I... I was the yes girl, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'll give it to you when you need it tomorrow, which way do you, you know, that was, we're a service-based industry, which we still are, obviously, I get that, like I, I'm a big believer that 
we're like a restaurant. Like if you go and the food is great and the interiors are beautiful, but the service is crap, you're not going to go back. I do try and remember that you know we are service, but it is so much more than that. And to be able to have clients say to us, you're here, you're at the table because I know you're going to challenge us is yeah. just a dream come true. And I know when, uh, when I was running my studios, creative director, my key thing I just say to people is, I'm here to take you somewhere you can't take yourself. Yeah. If that's what you want, I'll stay in the room. Yeah. If that's not what you want, yeah. I'll leave. Yeah. And, and it's refreshing for them that you actually yeah. know what your role is in, yeah. in, the, in the proceedings. And that you can't be all things to everybody. That's it. Okay, so, so listen, when we started off, I said there were three things that, uh, that are on Mia's journey here. And, uh, and one of them is, how does she continue to be a fantastic entrepreneur? How does she be a great mother? And then how does she be a great wife partner in yes. here? And, and so I suppose we, we, we've been through a journey which is, we've now found out that you were given advice before you, you, you <laughs> yeah. really had this partner bolted down, yeah. which is, that would have been an interesting evening and saying, oh, what happened today, darling? Oh, I said, some guy asked me, do I want to have kids? And I yeah. said, yes, I do. And now I'm planning it. <laughs> Early stage of boyfriendhood, that doesn't work. Yeah. So learning all about strategy. Okay, so then you obviously held that, held that back for a little while, which was totally appropriate. <laughs> Otherwise, your poor husband would have been freaked. Right. So, so we're here in, in this, in our pre-conversation, we were talking about, well, who are the people that Mia actually can look up to? And that's one of the one of the difficulties that exists because there's been so few women who have come before or are still the ones that came before that are active mm. that it, there's a limited set of women to go out to so it's even more important yeah. that as you're building up your own network that you're actually focusing on how do I go and find people who will be useful as my next mentor after this mentor. Yeah. And there's and I reckon most mentors know that they're only there for a part of the journey. Yeah. And yeah. so then so there's this quest of well who will be my next mentor for that next stage yeah, of growth. Next stage of life, really. I mean yeah. I, having mentors through my whole career have meant that I have made some good decisions based off the advice. I love hearing advice. But the problems that not problems but the the sounding board that I'm looking to now is uh, also being a great mother, like you mentioned, and being a great partner within the realms of entrepreneurship. So I imagine if I was in a corporate world, there are very, there are, there maybe, is it what do they call it? Wide, wide streets and high curbs. Mm -hmm. I, I feel sometimes the best part about my life or being an entrepreneur is I have no curbs, like there are no rules. I can make them. So having lost my um, mother recently, I do really miss having that older female role model that's saying, darling, you're being a terrible mother or you know, just somebody to pull you up, but who also understands the, the intricacies of running a business and having 80 staff and you know, all the extra pressures. And I, I, I've been thinking, you know, what does that look like? Who, and, who do we know? And, yeah, and that's one of the you interesting know. things that your, your mother's passing is as, as tragic as it, as it is, it's also pushing you to find yeah. who will be the next person. That's a, the yeah. newness that comes out yeah. of that transition. And I never before felt like it needed to be a woman. The, the only time I ran around like a, a headless chicken trying to find a, a female sounding board or mentor, whatever you talk about, was when I was actually seriously thinking about having children because I didn't know, I didn't have the network I've got now. And I didn't know a woman who had children and 
had their own business. I didn't even know how I was going to even... This was just when we were starting to think about getting pregnant after I got married. That's the only time I thought, I need a, a woman. And I went to meet someone. She said, you'll be fine. You'll work it out. And I was like, okay, great, thanks. But I just needed someone to tell <laughs> me to be okay. Validation. You just needed someone to tell yeah. you you can do it. Okay. So it's maybe similar. So then, <laughs> so then I reckon we've been through three of the four things that we need to get through. Here. Yeah. So we've been through the entrepreneur's journey. We've also looked at the, uh, the motherhood. And then that's come in and that's... It's the permission to think that that's yes. what's going to happen and then accommodating it. And then we've also talked about the partner, you know, the wife. And, that, and that's an important thing of how do you make sure that you're getting a, a work-life balance. That, you know, yes. you, when you go home, you're actually happy being at home. It's not that I want to be dragged back to work. Correct. The last one has to do with either is it failure or is it stumbling through life? <laughs> and, and listeners, before we, every podcast, we have a bit of a pre-conversation, as I've indicated. And me was using the, the, the fail word. <laughs> and I said, look, I, I have problems with the fail word. And I think if you've listened to other podcasts, you've probably heard that, uh, that I've got an issue with the fail <laughs> word. Because I've, I've had a 30-plus year career around the creative industries. And I've stumbled a lot. And stumble might be that I just lost a bit of balance or it could be that I fell over and broke my nose. And I've probably broken my nose in that sense quite a few times. But it was never a clinical, it was a pass-fail point. It was actually just a stumble along the way. I had to pick myself up and keep going. And I've also had a lot of exposure to the Olympics process and elite, elite sport. Early on, I, I did elite sport myself. And then since then, I've done a lot around sailing with elite sports. And nobody in elite sport actually refers to failure. What you do is you talk about what your next challenge is. Yeah. And that, to me, comes into that stumble model, which is yeah. it's just another step for me, another step. And I know when you wind up actually getting involved with the failure idea, it's a very clinical side. So if you're doing a startup and it's actually got a financial model and somebody has to work out, do we keep investing in you? Yeah. They need a point and they need language to tell you the game's over. If you're running a business like Siren, it's actually, the game's going to keep going. It's yeah. just going to bruise you a few, yeah. a, a few times and yeah. then it's going to reward you. But it's still going to bruise you. And I'd imagine... Even now, because of the number of staff that you've got, running the business, there's going to be bruising or stumbling that's going to be happening for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm, my favourite term at the moment is we're playing the long game. Yeah. And it's something, I know it seems like an obvious thing, but you just, when you're in a startup business or in a high pressure sort of environment like this, and you don't like, I know you don't like the word failure. I, we, I feel like, you are 100% correct. It is a stumble because you have you have no choice. You have to get back up again. But I think if I, it feels like failure. So if you put a lot of energy into something um, and you don't you don't get the result that you were hoping, or you didn't win something, or you know, it feels like failure. And that is a common problem that sometimes stops people from getting up again yeah. and back on the horse. So by calling it stumble, will mean that hopefully more people will keep. Keep that tenacity and, and yeah, and, keep going. and if yes. if I was an Olympic coach, I'd be actually reminding you that today we didn't achieve the goal. Yes, I wouldn't be calling it failure. No, I know. And I know. and so yeah. then I suppose if we want to have that type of elite performance that we see 
that the Olympians are having. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to use the mind tools that the mm. Olympians use. And that, yes. then that, that's where I'm coming yes. from. Yes. So I have no yeah. problem in actually recognizing that something is broken yeah. or something needs repair. Yes. It's the failure word which just, it's got an engineering aspect to it that I find if you're working in, oh. in something which is about empathy and fear, yeah. it, I can't attach empathy and fear and failure because oh. it's absolute. Yep. You're absolutely right. You're right. Very nice. Very kind way of, of putting it. And I, but I, I think the reason why I keep learning, I keep having to keep learning is because I take it very seriously when I stumble. <laughs> and, and when your nose gets broken because yeah. you stumble too far, it hurts like So, so Matt, thank you. This, this has been really fantastic because I've never had the opportunity to go share a story yeah. that, that has to do with somebody who's... Um, always wanted more, <laughs> had advice from their mother, which is that if you're going to work, you might as well be doing something that you love yeah. doing, which yeah. is great there. And then you've been just amazing on sharing a story, which should be inspiring to people. And hopefully we've given them a few tips of how they might go on their journey mm. at being a great entrepreneur, fantastic mother, great wife, Aww. and also working out how to stumble a little bit less. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mayor. Thank you, Mark.